watch cartoons We'll take a look back at where we've been So let's hop into our time machine Hello and welcome to another episode of Cartoon Time Machine. I'm Scarlett. And I'm Katie. We're your animates and today uh, this is an episode that's been a long time coming for me at least um, because I've, I, I, while I was a bit late to this show, I have been trying to get Katie to watch it for about a year and I'm very glad we finally were able to do it. Uh, this week we're talking about Arcane. Uh, the Netflix animated show uh, came out in late 2021 based on the popular game League of Legends, uh, which was incidentally why it took me uh, several months after its release uh, to watch it. Um, just because I, as I've said on this show before, I do not care for video games. Like, I have, want to have as little to do in general with video games as possible. Um, and I, I really didn't like everything I'd ever heard about League of Legends, which seemed like the sort of thing you put on to, you know, keep a four-year-old invested in something. But then I, then I discovered that, like, it's, it's, a, it's apparently, like, a really huge thing, like, like, selling out stadiums. What, what, what do you know about League of Legends, Katie? I have played a singular game of League of Legends because a acquaintance in college made me. Um, I did not enjoy it. I do not enjoy MOBA games. I knew that going in. Um, it just looks super frenetic. Like, it, it looks like a phone game. In in a lot of ways, yeah, MOBAs are kind of like that. It's a str- it, MOBAs are strategy, and I like strategy to be on my own with a computer and not with other people. Um, it's got It's got not a great vibe to it in the community of the people who play it but yeah it's a very it was a very big deal it was one of the first like esports i think it's i think it's fallen off because it got people have such a bad vibe with it it got a little like the toxic nasty. fandom kind of killed it <laughs> i think so i haven't heard as much about it but then again we've had a lot more games come out that want to be the esports game so mm. um i think that was a put off for me for watching the show also for a long time was just not having any good connections to League, nor right. thinking it had any lore because it's a MOBA. I mean, it doesn't, right, it doesn't seem like the sort of game that would have lore from my very limited understanding. Um, and and all from, from what I've seen also, it seems like the games themselves don't really have much, but this show really expanded on the world to the point where it seems to have very little to do with the game other than the characters and the character design um, in a rather loose sense. Because, um, yeah, I went into this with, you know, I I sort of ignored it when it first came out because I was, you know, uh, yeah, thinking this is a video game thing. I don't have an interest in video games. I don't like this game in particular. I'm going to ignore it. Um, but then pretty quickly it became impossible to ignore because the narrative around it pretty quickly became this is one of the greatest animated shows ever um and i was sort of for a while not wanting to believe the hype having now seen it oh my god the hype is real this is one of the greatest animated shows of all time it it is very good and i knew it was good i just kind of it was one of those i'm very bad at watching television shows everyone who listens to this should know at this point 
um we if, we love often it. also if people say they really like it uh for some reason that makes my ability to easily pick something up worse <laughs> that makes no sense but go on i don't know man but i i did have really early kind of like exposure to it because in the middle of the season is a song by one of my favorite artists at that time probably my favorite art artist uh which is a banger and is a song i listen to regularly Wait, which, which one guns for hire by woodkid oh, okay so i had seen i don't think you're an imagine dragons person really no but, but that song is also a banger I, I would agree. Imagine Dragons as a theme song for this show, and having just recently rewatched for this pod, it's already back stuck in my head. Uh, I'm not even a huge Imagine Dragons person myself, but like, that's a good song. Good theme song. Yeah. Oh, no. The. There are three real selling factors, I think, for this art style. Great. Everyone's hot. Unique. Second. Music, bangers. All around, each uh, episode has a song, usually, I think. There might have been a couple where it wasn't. Uh, bangers. Reason three, everyone's hot. <laughs> Flawed, <laughs> but hot. I can fix them. I, I want to fix every person in this show. No, I mean, I think for me, the... And I think another another so main factor number one for me not watching it for a while was the video game thing. But factor number two for a while was also that it was being advertised as adult animation. And again, as we've discussed on the show before, that's usually a turnoff for me. I very rarely find myself connecting with adult animation. Um, things like The Simpsons, Bob's Burgers kind of are an exception for me because I feel like those are really just kids shows that have like the occasional focus on adult life. Um, but I, I sort of have this perception of adult animation as being sort of inherently kind of lazy, um, you know, both in the animation style, you know, you think of something that, you know, looks like South Park or in terms of like the kind of jokes being, you know, very easy, raunchy humor, political satire, again, South Park. Um, and I sort of think of low effort. That is absolutely not something you could accuse Arcane of. Arcane... Uh, I think I think they, they said that it took them about six years to make the show. Um, yeah, and it, mm -hmm. it took six years to make the first season. And boy, do you feel it. I mean, every second of this show feels so carefully plotted out. Like you feel you feel like you're looking at a work of art because the animation is just that good and and like Katie said, and so unique. It looks like nothing I've ever seen before and possibly nothing I'll ever see again. Um, but the, the care with the crafting of the story and the love given to all these characters, like this feels like a show of entirely main characters. And I mean that in a very good way. Mm -hmm. I, I feel like each of these characters has a fully fleshed out existence and arc and it, but it, it never feels overstuffed. I think they do a really good job of balancing the perspectives with the runtimes they have and writing in such a deft way that it never feels like character is telling you their tragic backstory now it's just it's so seeped into everything of their being as if they were a living breathing person that you just sort of get like oh that's their story that's why they are that way um i mean so that even you know characters that are your side characters that are your villains that are your henchmen i mean this show's got some great henchmen 
Like you just know their whole deal within a few minutes of meeting them and you want, you don't want them to win, but you really are going to enjoy seeing the good guys kick the crap out of them. It's, it's, yeah, just the amount of effort that went into this is is truly spectacular. And I, I love seeing love put into a project, especially an animated project, which you and I both know does not get the respect it deserves. Everyone working on this project treated it seriously and treated it like something that, that deserved the best shot it could get, um, even though I would argue starting as quite the underdog. It. I, I have to agree with you. One of the most stunning facts is just it is exceptionally polished from top to bottom. From, I mean, just the animation art, smooth, great sequencing, action sequences, phenomenal. Um, just ch good choice after good choice. Lighting also really good. I think that's something that's underrated in a lot of shows fantastic use of color palette and lighting um character designs top notch all the characters are flawed which is i think mm. my favorite part is every character is very detailed on the fact that they have unique personalities and are all flawed in rather unique ways and we see them balance around around those flaws um so there's no, there's no Mary Sue, there's no Deus Ex Machina character, no one who's just like, I am the hero. Everyone is a, everyone is a broken idiot that I want to hug. I, I, I agree. I mean, it's really, it really, I think, speaks to the time that went into making all these characters individually and then seeing how they would react to the world that they are put in. Um, and, and even the, world even design. the villains, oh my also God, fantastic. if you, if you're a person who enjoys steampunk and I love steampunk, wow, this is, I think the most beautiful steampunk world I've ever seen put to the, the, the medium of television, um, are arguably, I don't know if I've seen a movie that has done steampunk half so well. I, I think this, this movie gets it, it's, mm -hmm. not movie, the show, it, it feels, it's, it's laid out basically in three arcs and feels very much to me like three movies. Cause each episode is roughly 40 minutes. So like, mm -hmm. it does feel like three, two hour movies. Um, but the, the world design is, is incredible. I think they do a really good job of sort of slowly laying out how this world works in such a way that you're, you aren't confused. Like you sort of know that there's Piltover, the, the big Mecca, uh, there's your undercity with your, you know, your street urchins basically, who are sort of struggling for, you know, if not their independence, at least their anonymity um, and their freedom from, you know, the oppression of, of the wealthy people living in the top side. Um, but you, you, you get a sense of this world very quickly and you see the hierarchy very quickly. Um, and I, a lot of that just goes to that, that design, uh, the choices that they made with colors, the way that, you know, the, the, the main city is sort of all gold and shining and light blue. And then you go into the undercity and it's very neon. Um, it's very dark. It's a lot of uh, bright greens, bright purples. Uh, colors that will become uh, signifiers of uh, characters or certain plot points. Um, it's it's really an incredible amount of world building gone into this. Mm -hmm. I was taking notes. <laughs> My players don't listen. Oh, oh, for for D and D, yeah. I have a very similar design where you have this giant 
yeah. big city and then the understudy that's having all the problems is kind of ignored. I was like, ooh, notes, 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 notes. It it kind of gave me some Hades Town vibes, honestly. I don't know. Have you, have you seen Hades Town, Katie? I have not. It it sort I of played the video game Hades. <laughs> I I think it's a little different. Um, yes, but but sort of similar in that um, you know you have the problems of the people up in the world above, um, and their world is you know not perfect, but at least it's not the underworld, which everyone is just laboring endlessly for the people up on top. Um, so I, I think that that sort of had similar ish vibes to me, but it, there really is nothing like it. Like, again, you get, you said unique. And I feel like that is the best way to describe this show is that I can't even, you know, I, when, when we were reviewing, you know, Dragon Prince, I feel like it was very easy to say like, oh, it's kind of like Avatar, but in a medieval world. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, you can say something like, you know, oh, Steven Universe is Adventure Time, but gayer, um, you know, there are, or Gravity Falls is Twin Peaks, but animated. Like, I feel like there are most shows that we've talked about, we can sort of put it into terms like that. I would have a real hard time finding even that kind of point of comparison for Arcane. Because like I said, nothing looks like it. Um, I I would argue the topics discussed are not really something that I've seen much of before. Um, and even, you know, the Hades Town comparison I just did really so pales in comparison to the way that arcane handles the subject of class struggle um which is you know obviously they're not the first ones to tackle this but i feel like the nuanced and human approach they took was really interesting i like that we have a point of view character um uh, by a guy by the name of jace who i think really sort of exemplifies that you know well-meaning well-off kind of person who has, you know, certainly sympathy for the people in the Undercity and has friends from the Undercity and, you know, has all of all of those sort of nice traits, but at the end of the day, you know, is still kind of in it for his friends and family and his people and his legacy. And I, I really like that nuanced approach. And I like, you know, the burn it all down mentality that a lot of people in the Undercity have, while the show also acknowledges that, you know, even though you have undeniably been wronged and undeniably been oppressed, burn it all down also has consequences. <laughs> um, I, I, I just really, I love the story that builds over the course of these uh, nine episodes. It, it, it's hard to think that it is just nine and just 40 minutes. And, you know, again, really just these three, two hour movies, because boy, do you really feel like you get the same amount of of the sense of the world as, you know, a show like Avatar gave you over the course of 60-some-odd episodes? Yeah. I I would say I could find some, like, close-ish comparisons, but not, yeah, not too close. It's It's got a very cyberpunk vibe. Mm. That's kind of the world it's definitely coming from in some ways. Yeah, I can definitely um, see that. A little that. bit more fantastical, but um, that would be the one thing that really comes to mind. There was another piece of media, but I haven't paid it. I haven't. I need to do a re look through before I determine if it's accurate. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't mean to say, of course, that there isn't any point of comparison. That you know, this is some you know completely whole cloth new thing. Uh, that exists because every piece of media is is standing on the shoulders of giants. It's not to say that, 
Um, but I, I, I think watching this, for those of you who have seen it, those of you who sort of understand what we mean, I think it it really does feel like you are seeing something that you have never seen before. Um, and I don't think that's just the animation. I think the animation is is a, a drawn point for a lot of people because it does just look so vibrant and the movement is so interesting and the character expressions they can get with this brushstroke art style is really incredible. Uh, I think that's definitely the thing that draws you in, but I think the thing that keeps you really is this incredible tapestry of a story they're weaving and the characters and relationships that are sucking you in. I mean, okay, I, I've, I think I've, I've mentioned both of these on my on the show before, but like the like two of the big draws for me, single father stories, sister relationships. Boy, mm-hmm. does this show have both of those in spades. I was eating do good. Enemies to lovers also. That's like your other one. There is some enemy. I do. Yep. There's some good old enemies to lovers. Definitely down on that. Um, and after this, I think I need to add uh, eye makeup that's just tiny pieces of metal disturbingly close to the eyeball. <laughs> I see. Are we mentioning her? <laughs> you mean you mean the one that you sent me a thirst picture of earlier today as we were discussing the show? Yes. <laughs> I don't know why. minute I saw her, I can't even remember her name. It starts with an M. Madara. Madara. That one's hard. Madara, sorry. Madara. It's one that's hard for my brain to remember exactly the order of the syllables. They switch around a lot. Um, There are a lot of characters in the show. Again, like with with the show really feeling like it only has main characters, you feel bad forgetting someone's name in the same way like that you wouldn't if you just forgot random side character because there's like 12 characters in this show who are like, basically point of view characters and they all have kind of fantasy names so it's i i'll I'll forgive you i had to do a refresh myself but yes the the woman i saw on the screen with eye makeup that was just at very much drawing i went ah oh no (laughs) all the characters are hot they're all hot like even the ones that aren't supposed to really be hot or or on i should i say they're non-traditionally attractive are hot like i i, I this, this is a good bisexual show i'll i'll just say mm-hmm. that like the men are hot the women are hot the the bad guys are so hot <laughs> there's there's uh, and and the, the costume design just helps i mean it's it, it's funny to call it costume design given that it's animated it really is just character design but like the level of detail in some of these outfits, I mean, again, that meticulous crafting, like you you can't imagine that they weren't, you know, sitting there as if they were, you know, designing clothing for real people. I mean, like, yep, this is what the hem of her skirt looks like. Like, this is the way of the movement of the weird harness that she's wearing to keep her barely any clothes on. Um yeah, I mean, I, I, I have I have complicated feelings towards adult Jinx because I I want to say she's over 18, but she doesn't act over 18 and she is hot. But also, I just want to, like, take her into my house and, like, feed her soup and give her pajamas to wear and tuck her into bed. <laughs> it's it, it's more a strong maternal instinct, I'd say, with Jinx. <laughs> and I love that for you. I just, she's too skinny. She needs some soup. I need to, I got to make her some matzo ball soup and tuck her into bed. I was going to say you've never sounded more Jewish. 
I'm, I'm, I'm really feeling myself turning into my mother as we speak. So that's, uh, <laughs> that's where I'm at. Um, why don't, why don't we, before we go into spoilers, why don't we give it just sort of a, a brief description, uh, sort of of what the show is about. I know we've gone into to some, some of the story, um, but Katie, you want, you want to give us more of a, a just a general rundown of, of the plot of this show and some of the main characters? Let's see if I can. Um, there's, there's a series, I would say there's a series of plots kind of tying together um, is the big thing. Your main drawing factor is the relationship between Jinx and her older sister Vi. Um, we see that relationship from start to finish, from when they are young and get in some trouble um, to older. Um, when they get in some trouble. Trouble. Because <laughs> um, they, they're... What's the word I'm looking for? I... Miscreants? Yeah, they, they're, 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 they're street rats. <laughs> yeah, they're urchins. As yeah. D&D would call them. <laughs> right, there that's like go. a whole class. <laughs> or background. Yeah. So we, we see the issues of like life down... Um, in the Undercity through them and several other characters. Um, just their family relationship. Um, we have... Sorry, my cat's doing part is, what, four. Your cat is, is making quite the racket over there, boy. Oh, is that audible today? A little bit audible today. It's fine. Oh, he just did a kickflip off my bed. Half That's my right. rug is folded over. Your cat is a dog. Yes. Um, their story ties in with Jace, who is a student whose interests lie in a realm of... The, the world is very sciencey, and Jace is interested in the inherent magics of the world, mm -hmm. which the sciencey people don't like. We're dealing with his, his relationship to the upper city with his interests that's a storyline and his good friend victor who i just want to give a hug oh my He's god dying. i love victor so much oh oh i love victor um so up there with them we're getting the upper city political puppetry oh and don't forget um, caitlin oh i'm getting there okay just want to i i like caitlin a lot i have I very like normal feelings about caitlin mm-hmm uh Caitlyn is our tie between the realms, essentially. Um, because she is she is upper crust at the beginning. Uh, joins the city guard military, whatever it is. It's really more of a military. Yeah, they call them enforcers. It's, it's yeah. you know, ACAB. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and that, that life and being an investigator leads her down into the Undercity. We tie it. So her story is really the arching point to get the upper city with Jace and the Undercity um, with Vi together. Jinx is the overall factor here. <laughs> and um, I think the overall factor is just a good way to describe Jinx in this show. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Everyone's trying to get Jinx on their side because Jinx is insane and a danger to everyone but mostly herself yay 
so those are kind of your main suits. I feel like it's hard to describe the villain without immediately spoiling Act One. Yeah, we'll we'll go we'll go into to some more spoilers there, but I think that's a good yeah, it's a good description. Like like I said earlier, it's it's very much a show with class struggle and and class politics at the center. Um, yeah. You do have these these two worlds and. You know, so much of the tension of the story is, you know, which side will come out on top. But also, again, there's sort of a nuance there of like, this is when when there is class warfare, everyone kind of loses. And most especially the people who don't deserve it. Um, There's a really powerful moment in like the second to last episode where uh, Jace sees that really firsthand. And like that is, you know, just really striking to me. Yeah, a large amount of the conflict for the characters individually is how do I progress within the class structure that has been put around me? Most of the time it's people wanting to be able to move up in the class structure eventually. For a couple characters it's how do I break the mold now, or for Victor, like how do I break the mold now that I have gotten to where I originally wanted and it's not what I want anymore. Mm Mm-hmm. So, God, Victor's whole story is just so heartbreaking. Like, I love this man. He's gotten so far, and he's just limited by his his, his fragile mortal body. Yeah. <laughs> and and no amount of, of struggle is going to fix that for him. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I love him. I love them all. I mean, my my sweet babies. Like this whole like everyone. You know, Jinx is like sort of the 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 maternal. Oh my god, you're just a kid. But like everyone's kind of. Oh my god, you're just a kid in this. Like even the adults. I wanna I wanna reach out and protect and be good to. But mm-hmm. alas, the story demands that we hurt our babies. If if you like if you like loving sweet characters and seeing them put in pain, I believe the internet word for it is whoomp. Am I pronouncing that right? Whoomp. I think that's correct. If you if you like that, if that's your if that's your your vibe, if you know, if my if my 2012 Tumblr knowledge hasn't uh, hasn't failed me here, this is for you. I just thought you meant you seeing people get whomped, but you whomped. also do see i i'm probably horribly mispronouncing that because i just remember seeing it on tumblr a lot as a kid um but uh yeah I in any case you wump he she mit wump it's first grace my job i know if i <laughs> i don't spend enough time on ao3 clearly i would i would be better versed in in what the fandom is saying boy i bet the ao3 for arcane is nuts I because everyone is hot and there's a lot of tension in this whole thing I There's I a lot honestly, of tension. I I don't even know Sorry, if the internet knows what to do with this. Like, it's it's too much. It's it's too too many hot people who could theoretically be in relationships with each other, and too many of them are gay. And so many who are just actively flirting for the whole show, and you're like, come on, just cancel already. already. Yeah, that that was me and Vi and Caitlin the whole time. I yep. I don't know if that counts as spoilers. Not. I think are there. At least some degree of disaster lesbian and disaster bisexual. Yes, but which one's the disaster lesbian? Which one's the disaster bisexual? I don't know is the problem. Yeah, that's right. Because for a while there, I really was thinking like, oh, okay, so like Caitlin and Jace have a thing, but like they don't really go into that. Like, I I don't think they have more than just like a platonic friendship, which is cool. It's cool to see that you don't see it that much. Like, you really don't see 
that many platonic male female friendships in media in general we're getting better but like it doesn't happen that much and I, I i like that enough except that when jace lets the power get to his head caitlin deserves better and she finds it in vi qed my my cat just sighed at the fact that uh we're still waiting for them to realize <laughs> we're, we're, we're getting we're getting into deep shipping here um, but I think also this is probably a good time for us to transition into some spoilers. Um, hey, audience, if you haven't watched Arcane yet, go do that. It's real good. Um, mm-hmm. And then come back and we'll be here and we'll be talking spoilers. And by that point, you'll also be super invested in the lore and will want to hear us talk spoilers. So shoo-shoo, go. Go enjoy the show. We'll be here. And welcome back. <laughs> is this been so long. You've, you've, you've been watching uh, uh, six hours worth of television. Welcome back. Welcome back. Yeah, it should only take you about a day. <laughs> if you're Katie, it'll only take you about a day because you're insane. I think it took me like three weeks, but. <laughs> um, I have a problem. No, you are just a very dedicated uh, binger, and I appreciate that. I appreciate you. Mm, I hyper-focus, but continue. Hyper-focus. <laughs> fair, fair. Um, so, yeah, I... I really just, I dig the villain in this. I gotta say, I love Silco. I think I, you know me, I love a just pure evil, dripping evil villain. And he has that in spades. They're not, they gave him the most- He does always look a little damp. (laughs) He does look a little damp. I mean, they gave him a super evil character design. Like, has there ever been a character with one creepy glass eye who has ever been a good guy? Like- Sorry, Ever? you just had to remind me of the needle in the eye scenes. Uh, yeah, I wasn't fond of that. Uh, There's a lot of needles going into eyes in this in this show. Um, as someone with a needle phobia, those scenes sucked. <laughs> as someone who doesn't like eye stuff, scenes sucked. I mean, Medarda's scenes also weren't great just because I kept looking at that little that little piece of, I don't know if it was meant to be makeup or it really did just look like she had a little tiny shard of metal very close to her eye. Did not love that. But, uh, but, but Silco is just so interesting to watch like because you like it's he's a sympathetic villain in the sense that you understand where he's coming from and you see why people would follow him it doesn't make him any less obviously evil like i want disney to take note like that you can make a sympathetic and complex villain without having it without having your audience want to root for them like they're Mm -hmm. not this isn't a killmonger situation where you're like, oh, he has a point though. Maybe he was right all along. Like, he ma- he makes a decent argument, but you always know that he's in it for himself. He is not altruistic about this. He is like you were saying earlier about people trying to climb to you know higher position. He's trying to rule the Undercity. He wants their independence so that he can rule everything. Um, mm-hmm. And he does not care that the drug he is peddling to the people while it has made him rich and powerful is ruining their lives. He doesn't care about that. And we, we, the audience certainly knows that, but we, we can also understand why he's risen to power. I love villains like that. Like you get Mm -hmm. it. Like this makes sense. This is, I know why people follow him. Like there's a lot of villains out there who you will like ask yourself, what, why does he have henchmen? Like how, how did he get this far? Like how, why is anyone going along with what he's saying? you get it with Silco. Like there is, there is not a moment when you don't think that this is the kind of charismatic fascist-esque leader 
who would do very well when given the position to work off of the very real frustrations of an oppressed class. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think you hit what I was just about to say. He is a very good villain because he is a charismatic, manipulative man done very well in the fact that you see how he's able to pull on the strings of what people desire to break the current system to be in the mold that he wants and how he knows how to manipulate people to keep them under his thumb and he's also flawed which is great yeah he I mean, right. one he's not... giant flaw <laughs> he's yeah he's uh, he's just entertaining to watch because you know, it is it is nice by the end when you see, you know, you spend a good chunk of the story not really knowing what the extent of his relationship with Jinx is. And I don't mean like, you know, whether they're, you know, in a romantic thing. Cause I don't think they are. I think it is it is very paternalistic. Um, but I, I think you sort of spend a lot of time wondering how much is he using her? Like, how much does he is this an act that he is putting on that he is sort of her surrogate father figure? How much does he actually want what's best for her? What is, you know, he willing to to sacrifice for her? And I think the answer is ultimately complicated, but I, I like that we sort of end on a note that he does care. Like he, <laughs> he has raised this girl and he does see her as something of a daughter. He is, at the end of the day, he is fundamentally selfish. He is, you know, oh, he's never going to put her before him but i i would almost like it's almost a little bit like thanos and Grimo and gamora and infinity war i guess is probably a way to say it like if he thought that he could get ahead he would kill her in a heartbeat but like he would feel bad about it <laughs> it was so it was so interesting because it, it definitely was an act at first it seemed as a, a way to to get jinx also in his little onto his little chessboard um as a manipulative tool against her and it turned into a manipulative tool against himself because there were a lot of times where his machinations were foiled because of jinx's reckless actions um and he chose at every turn not to do anything about it because he had in a sense manipulated himself into being that caring surrogate father yeah he kind of put himself in a corner there so i think that's a really interesting take on it showing with everything showing how manipulative he is that he can even get to himself i think it's a really good way of putting it yeah like he I don't think even he expected how much he was going to be won over by Jinx in just how just how much she clearly needed a support structure. Like she mm -hmm. she I I think she needed him in a way that no one had actually needed him before. And I think she gave him the sort of unconditional, if not love, but certainly trust that I don't think he'd ever had in his life. I think mm -hmm. He was used to always having to manipulate and lie and steal everything he got. And Jinx gave so much of herself to him willingly. And I think that I think that that triggered some of that that fatherly instinct. Um, and you know, I think what probably did start as, you know, him taking away the, you know, Jinx had had formerly been uh 
the Vander's ward, um, who is his old enemy, um, kills Vander, and then he's left with Vander's kid. Like, how much of that is, you know, I I take what's yours. See see how I I have usurped my old enemy's position. And then by the end, yeah, I think it is just a genuine, a genuine care. Um, it's like, yeah, you love to see it. Like, that's, it, it would have been enough for them to have just made him a really fun, you know, mustache twirling evil dude. And I would have certainly enjoyed that. But adding this extra layer, I, I just, I, I love it. I, I think he's just a really compelling villain. Yeah. And so creepy. I mean, him in the intro, we haven't really even talked about you know, the intro with the cool like statues crumbling, uh, his like looming figure over everything. It's so cool. The, the intro scene in this is great. This is one of those you never skip it theme songs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, I mean, I know I, I mentioned briefly how much I love sister relationships i love the relationship between jinx and vi it's so fraught it's so interesting both of them just have so many feelings it's so cathartic whenever we see them you know finally get together and then pull apart and get back together again it's 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 like it's like shakespearean tragedy with the two of them Mm -hmm. i mean that's the the heart heartbeat of the show is their relationship it's the majority of the actual main storyline. Everything else is just technically B plots in a lot of it, but it's really good B plots. It, it's hard to say, right? Like with a show this good, like where what what are the what are the B stories? Um, well, yeah, I mean, it's it's just the the way as I mentioned before, it sort of is three movies, and it ha- each of the different movies essentially has a different tension in the relationship between Jinx and Vi. Like in the first one, which is, you know, sort of them in their younger years, you know, you see Vi is is kind of almost in like a Nani to a Lilo role with Jinx. Like she's trying to protect her, but also wants to give her exposure to this dangerous world and teach her and, you know, shield her from the worst of it, but also make sure um, that she sort of has a place within this ragtag group, even though she's probably too young to be going along with it um and meanwhile uh, at this point jinx is named powder um she's just trying to prove herself to her big sister who clearly means the world to her and she's you know clearly just trying to live up to that two of them don't have any parents they're being you know raised by this you know war- warm-hearted but you know ultimately also flawed uh patriarch type figure of this community um, who, you know, also, I think, you know, really recognizes the helplessness of his situation that he, he, you know, has these wards, these orphans he's trying to take care of, but he can't protect them from this world. Um, so you just sort of have this situation where Powder and, and Vi are just so dependent on each other and are just, it's just the two of them basically against the world. So you sort of set up this perfect powder keg, powder keg of, you know, Powder inevitably, you know, trying too hard to prove herself to her sister, causing some devastating chaos and, you know, leading to their split. Um, And Vi not, you know, again, sort of that Nani Lilo situation, you know, trying to be a mother and a sister and at the same time just being a kid herself, lashing out in ways she doesn't mean, 
and circumstance forcing the two of them apart for however many years are between the times. How many years is it between episodes three and four? I don't, did they ever say? It's been many years. Yeah, oh, no. I'm... I don't uh, think they ever explicitly say how, how long it's. I don't remember seeing like a title card that says like five years later or something. Um, but yeah, say about five years, I think is probably fair-ish, maybe eight. Five to ten. Yeah, five to ten, somewhere in the range of five to ten. Um, but then, you know, because you have that time split, you can then see sort of the, you know, I think like act two, shall we say, of the, the episodes four, five, and six um, really are emphasizing how much the two of them have changed and how much they've hardened in different ways um how much jinx has sort of regressed in a lot of ways like i find it very interesting that child powder is in many ways more mature and mentally stable than her older counterpart in jinx like jinx is much more childlike in a lot of ways i I noticed this especially upon rewatch like (laughs) child powder is quite precocious i would say like she is you know, still a little kid, but mature for all of that versus, you know, when she's Jinx and it's very Harley Quinn-esque. Like she Mm -hmm. is, you know, the way she moves, her she has an obsession with dolls and toys and sometimes kind of speaks in this very childish voice. Like she is clearly, without her sister, just really gone off the deep end. Um, And as she's clearly never stopped thinking about Vi, and Vi, who has been imprisoned this whole time, has also not stopped thinking about her sister. Um, but she's she's hardened in a lot of ways that I think Jinx hasn't. You know, Jinx had, you know, sort of free reign as Silco's, you know, right hand, essentially, um, versus Vi, who's been imprisoned and has sort of just had to close herself off. So she is suddenly not as willing to show emotion and, you know, caring as she was before. Um, which is part of why I love her relationship with Caitlin because she brings her out of her shell. (laughs) I I think it could be, it's an interesting kind of story you can look at at the lens of how, um, different minds process trauma. Mm. Um, because I, 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 uh, am not a psychologist nor know anything. I've written a singular paper on the topics of mental illness and depictions of video games and it's not published anywhere so don't look for it um i i think you see two very different aspects of trauma trauma processing and ptsd from the events Mm. we see at the end of act one um jinx we see that regression i don't and i would i would say by the fact she's been so free like free range in the world with so many things to occupy her mind in a way she hasn't processed the trauma and we see that a lot um with the fact that several times we see depictions of the incidents and the people um as kind of haunting jinx Mm. um so i think that whole time jinx has had the ability to dodge processing the trauma and has mostly regressed whereas we see vi who's been in jail for a large, for a good amount of time um which seems to which is a panopticon if i'm correct it's a panopticon jail also and i'm not confusing other media do you not know what a panopticon, panopticon is no i don't teach me something new katie please panopticon is a is oh this is a sociology thing um Ooh. it's kind of the idea of like this perfect jail 
um, which is it's that circular shape specifically. Uh, it's an inbuilt system of control. Yeah, you'd have kind of a center circular place that's a watch hour and every all the all the cells would be around that so there's no ah. yeah it's it's very that that sounds like that uh, that one dorm at our college which was notorious for being built by a guy who builds jails and made everyone yeah. who lived there sad yeah uh, essentially prisoners never know if they're gonna be if they're being watched or not at a time so it becomes very um so it's an interesting sociology thing that I sounds incredibly stressful <laughs> yeah um but i mean in a space like that you're going to have a lot of time on your hands so i i think we see that bias process the trauma slightly better has come out mm -hmm. of it more mature also hardened is her way of processing it right yeah you you sort of get the sense with her that she's sort of closed off the part of her that can be hurt in the way that she was hurt by losing her little sister. Mm -hmm. um, like, I, I yeah, I, I think both of them are not processing this in a healthy way, but I I feel like it's it's as if, like, like Jinx shattered, whereas uh, Vi just formed a, another protective layer around herself mm -hmm. um, rather than risk shattering. Um, but those are both deeply traumatized people. I think you you really hit the nail on the head there. It's how the two of them have processed really a childhood full of trauma. Like the, the events at the end of, of three, you know, are of course huge and, you know, wide scaling and they, they lose, you know, the found family that they've, you know, struggled to maintain. But from the very beginning, we know that these two are, you know, have been going through it um, and have had a very difficult life for all that they are, both of them children, even Vi, who is, you know, several years older, uh, just they're still children who have been really treated horribly by this system. Yeah, if you really feel for them. Mm -hmm. So yeah, like, like you said, that that sort of is the the central, you know, that that's the emotional core of the story. Um, Jace and Victor sort of form, I guess, the more plot heavy um, part of the story. Although of course it all converges by the end. Um, with their quest to harness the arcane, uh, hence the title, um, to turn their sort of mechanized society into a, uh, a magic magic tech uh, society, Ar artificers from D and D, shall we say, um, tech techno magic, um, and I, I really like the you know sort of that debate of is is unfettered progress good like i like i like the uh was it he heimerdinger as mispronounced this guy's name heimerdinger the the old professor uh at the at the i guess academy is i don't forget what they call the academy or something where where jace is studying um who he sort of is like the last person really alive who un who re remembers the age of magic and how destructive it could be so of course he's you know, recommending that they are careful with their discoveries and they're not, you know, they don't rush their their scientific and magical breakthrough. And he, you know, we, the audience, I think in a lot of ways relate to that. And, you know, being scholars of media, we, you know, know the risks of not listening to the old wise person who says, no, you'll kill us all. Like we, we sort of get that. But like, I, I, I like also that it's not, 
Jace and Victor aren't bad guys. They're not trying to make money. They're not really even trying to advance their social status. And certainly, you know, Jace a little bit later, but like at first, no, at first it's just them being like, we want to make the world a better place. Like there are people who are suffering. People in the undercity are suffering. We can make their worlds better. Um, There's a really profound moment in in one of the episodes in that middle arc um, where Victor is trying to convince Heimerdinger, like, no, like, we can help people right now. We don't have time. You say we need to wait a decade to study. We don't have time. And Heimerdinger is like, oh, don't worry. Like, the time will pass in a blink of an eye. And the camera just kind of holds on Victor, who by this time we know is very, very ill. We don't really know, like, the at that point, right, what is wrong with him. We just know that he is, he does not seem like the kind of person who has much more than a decade to spare uh, in his life. Um, and I, I think that was a really good way of showing how short-sighted some people in you know Heimerdinger's position can be, that it's very easy to have lofty ideals like this needs more testing and we need to, to take more time to evaluate it. We need to think about it. And those things all seem very good on the surface, but when you actually practically get right down to it, you know, there are people who will suffer for the delay and is the mitigation of the risk worth knowing that there are people you could be helping right now? Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's just a very, a very nuanced and interesting take that I don't really think I've seen that much. I think usually it's just, you know, people like Heimerdinger are right and the greedy jerks who are trying to rush forward are hubristic and will face consequences. Um, I think it's interesting the show gives a very... Uh, complex take at both sides yeah and uh pretty relevant at the time um i would also i also say jace is interesting in the sense that it he kind of plays a bit of a mirror to the um ideas that um the city has for the undercity with how people are easily corrupted by like especially in the later with the with Silico's drug uh and all that whereas jace starts with these lofty ideals and we see him slowly get a little bit more manipulated and corrupted in his time spent in um this high position um when because he's brought in to his position as um to study there as what's the word i'm looking for he's being supported by um one of the families on the council so he has that to deal with eventually when he gets his research back he's still under the council and madarda is the one who comes in is like hey i can buy you a little bit more time and support if you essentially buying a stake in his stuff Mm -hmm. so now he has an investor who's got a hand on what how what happens and we see it just progress over time how the influence of the council, Madarda becoming one on the council and having to care for the city has corrupted his original view of just making, just trying to help people um, and discover more about the arcane that saved his life to, uh, you know, big business is bad. <laughs> 
Yes, I, I think I think I it's really heartbreaking. I think watching Jace get corrupted in the way that he does, especially since because the nature of the show, it happens like over the course of one episode, basically, um, in one really gorgeous montage, really. Um, but um, yeah, I, I still think even even with that, even watching his corruption, I I, I feel like there is still some nice color on it in that. Mm-hmm. He's not, he's still not a bad guy. Like he's definitely been taken in. He's definitely, you know, been corrupted in the sense that, you know, he is, has lost a lot of his original ideals and has lost sight of why he's doing a lot of things that he wanted to do originally. But I, he doesn't like become a, he, he doesn't become like the one slur in the Lorax, you know, like he's he not. He yeah. becomes misguided in the end. Mm-hmm. And there, then the rest, a good portion of his arc is him realizing, oh, I done goofed. Right. He, he's, I got I, a little I, too nationalistic here. Uh, like I alluded to earlier, that moment in, I think, like the second to last episode where, you know, he sees, you know, he, he's done something that is, is objectively good. Like he is breaking up Silco's operation, which is an evil operation. And in the crossfires, a young child has died. And I think that, you know, is, yeah, that's, you know, a turning point for him. It's a turning point for a lot of the show in seeing this is what it will take. Like if, you know, for better or for worse, in order to fight the good fight and bring down corrupt systems of oppression, innocent people will inevitably be caught in the crossfires. So mm-hmm. You better go in knowing that that's a possibility and doing whatever you can to avoid that. Um, I, I just, I, I think that's a, a just a, a really interesting gut-wrenching way that the show turns on itself is, mm-hmm. you know, I think in some ways, like most action shows and video games, you know, there is some glorification of violence and, and action because that looks cool. And I want to see these hot women with these really big guns and giant mechanical knuckles just go into town on each other. Um, but I, I I heard it when I, I said it. I, I stand by it. <laughs> like we, we want we want to see violence. We like we as a society like seeing violence. But I think it is always important to have a reminder that even when it's violence for a righteous cause, violence is still violence and it will beget death and destruction yeah i i I love that a large portion of this is no side is right there is no correct answer it's a trolley problem yeah i mean it's just trolley problems it, it really is and you know i i hate to say it but like there are good people on both sides like that is that is sort of what the story is like you have people like jason victor and heimerdinger who are in your upper city and are overall good people and you have people in your undercity you know people like echo and the freedom fighters who are, are really good idealistic people um and inevitably n- neither is 100% right like mm-hmm. the certainly i think you know the undercity has the better argument in that they really have been horribly horribly mistreated um but a lot of them are turning to terrorism in such a way that is not really that productive and will probably just lead to a lot of death um so i i think you get a really just, again just an interesting a character study of all these different people it reminds me of the best days of game of thrones honestly like i think 
early-ish seasons of Game of Thrones did a really good job of that, where, you know, yeah, you sort of had your clear cut, these are the bad houses, these are the good houses, but in both the good and bad houses, you had people who were, you know, sort of blurring that line, who were, you were a little bit more gray, or even just straight up good, despite the fact that they had bad families. Um, yeah. I, I think that the show is is sort of similar in that you you yeah. care you you don't you don't you are, don't leave the show wanting to be on one side or another you leave the show just caring about the people who are involved. Yeah, I I think it's it, it's a the main takeaway is in a way that it is a story about how the world in general is exceptionally complicated. That there are so many sides to different problem trying to get similar solutions that everything is complicated and people are flawed people are flawed beings there is not one person in the show that does not have a flaw um everyone's actions at points are flawed um and the world is morally gray but that doesn't mean you cannot gray world we do but that doesn't mean you can't see that there are that the there are things that the characters are saying that are correct and there are different options it's it's a very interesting it's a character study show in some ways it it really is um and yeah it's just it's it is so heartbreaking to see you know sort of what jinx has become by the end and like yeah, you're happy, you know, when she when she finally takes out Silco and you know, you kind of hope for the best for her future that you know, without him, she will be better. But there's not, you know, you're not that hopeful. Like there is, she she is more than just some poor waif who has been taken under the bad guy's thumb. She has her own trauma, her own story that she needs to work through. Um, and boy, after that cliffhanger ending, I am really excited to see what season two will bring. Mm-hmm. later than they projected because about two weeks before we recorded this they said it was uh gonna be later Uh, yeah i mean it is gonna take a while um which is fine it is fine i will i will gladly wait um it's 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 worth waiting for if Mm -hmm. you know i know I, i as i said it took them six years to make this first season if it takes them 12 years to make season two i'm sure it will be just as good if not better so I I do not begrudge them this. Rome wasn't built in a day. Some some shows I'm excited to have, you know, regular releases of and knowing that there's going to be some mediocre episodes or some less than stellar animation. It seems like the team behind Arcane is not content with putting out anything but their absolute best work. And as long as they maintain the funding, which it's riot games and it seems like league of legends brings in a stupid amount of money as long as they have the resources take as long as you want baby i am really excited to see what they're going to put out next Mm -hmm. um i i hope i hope this team continues to work on arcane i hope they make other projects because i think the amount of talent here is is frankly it's staggering and i'm as really happy to have seen it and even happier to rewatch it it it's truly a delight you have uh, any final thoughts on the show, Katie, before we, we wrap things up? No, I think we, we hit on a lot. We did. It makes me want to watch it again, again, even though I just <laughs> rewatched it. <laughs> it's a very it's, good show. 
we didn't even touch on how great the voice cast is, but they're all incredible. Yeah. Let's just I group, Ashley group Birch is in it. Sorry? I believe Ashley Birch is there. Uh is she? I or don't know what someone she else who has a very similar voice. It might have been someone with a similar voice, because I don't think she's in this. It's it's a lot of relative unknowns, actually. Uh Haley Steinfeld playing Violet, I think, is probably the biggest name. Everyone else is, I think, you know, kind of mid-tier actor. Um, or, you know, just sort of your your usual suspects like Fred Tatasiore, Task. I never know how to pronounce his last name. Um, that guy um is there um mick wingert who's the voice of iron man and all the animated films and shows um you know you got you got your your usuals and then you've got some some sort of b actors but they're all they're all doing incredible like it's you you do there's no difference between between the people who've been doing this as a living for for their whole lives and the people mm-hmm. who are coming over from another medium or are just you know not terribly well-known actors um but it's it's incredible yeah. everyone's great Cheers. Oh, hey, Caitlin is Cho Chang. I didn't realize that. Cool. Good for her. I love Caitlin so much. I we stand <laughs> so bay. I've noticed. All right, I'm gonna. We're gonna get back into the cartoon time machine before I I, I can thirst anymore for Caitlin. Uh, <laughs> thank you all so much for listening. I hope if you've gotten to this point, that means that you were down for the spoilers and you've seen Arcane. Um, if not, I'm sorry we spoiled it for you, but still go see it. Um, and for those of you who have already seen it, uh, watch it again, because it's great. And it's worth worth the rewatch. I, I noticed so many more things that I didn't see on first watch, so I was really happy to get the opportunity to see it again. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Uh, I'm Scarlett. I'm Katie. We're your animates, and we will see you next time. <laughs>